and welcome to another episode of the Colby Cast, your place for community and conversation about pop culture and storytelling. On this episode, we, Caleb, Luke, and I, we're going to provide you with a bonus track, a Colby Cast bonus track, and uh, this episode will be about Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania. So before we get into that, let's bring in Caleb and Luke. Hello, Caleb. Hello. Hello, Luke. Hi. All right, so this one was a little tough for us all to go see, huh? Because we had sort of a, a hockey tournament and a road trip stuck in the middle of our lives right when Quantum Mania was hitting the theaters. And um, but we were able to finally make it uh, make it all to the theater and and see it, uh, and and I'm looking forward to our conversation. I have no idea what you guys think about it, uh, and I'm looking forward to finding out what you do. So before we get into any kind of details, um, we'll just give you guys the the spoiler alert. We will go into full spoilers for Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania from the get go. So if you haven't seen it yet, go check it out and come back and, and check out our conversation. Uh, before we get into the actual movie, I'd love to hear what you guys think about Ant-Man in general. So where does Ant-Man, Scott Lang, the Ant-Man movies, the cor- the Ant-Man corner of the universe, where does it fall in for you guys? Luke, let's start with you. Um, how, how, how do you like Ant-Man? How did you like the first two, you know, his place in the universe? What do you think about the character? Um, I like him a lot, but I find myself forgetting about him a lot too. Like I don't, I wouldn't say that I consider him like a core member of not just the Avengers, but of the Marvel universe, right? But I do enjoy when he's on screen and stuff. And I did like the first one a lot. I don't really remember the second one, um, but I remember liking it. And then this one... Um, I don't know. This one left me really confused. Uh, interesting. Interesting. Uh, I, uh, I'd like to hear more about that. Caleb, what about you and Ant-Man? How, how have you enjoyed the character over his iteration in the MCU? He and I go way back. He's always made me laugh. He's always made me enjoy whatever's going on. But I feel the same way as Luke is like, if he wasn't an Avenger anymore, if he retired, I don't want to see him die. But if he retired, I wouldn't be like, oh, my God, that's such a big loss. He's no Tony Stark. He's no um, Captain America. So if he – I sort of expected him to be like written off after or during this movie, and he wasn't. So I wasn't disappointed. I was a little, like Luke said, confused. But that's how I was left with most of the movie as well. Okay. So the first – the first two hints at the reaction to the movie is confused. That's interesting. <laughs> Can't wait to hear why. Um, for me, Ant-Man, uh, he makes me laugh, you know, and that's really the, the charm of the character, right? When they first announced the first Ant-Man movie, I remember thinking that's weird because really in, in the beginning of the MCU, we had the big, the big Avengers set up movies, right? The solo films, the Iron Man's, the Captain, the Caps and the Thors, so on. So then in Avengers, uh, and then knowing that Ant-Man was going to be coming, I didn't know anything about the character as, uh, as a, as a comic book character. So, you know, Spider-Man was always on my radar. Ant-Man never had a Saturday morning cartoon. I didn't really read a ton of comics growing up, so I didn't know much about the character, but once we started getting the character on screen, first of all, Paul Rudd is, he can do no wrong, right? I mean, he's just fantastic. So they cast him perfectly, I think. And then the first Ant-Man movie was a lot of fun. Same with the second one. And going into this one, a lot of people would refer to those first two movies as palate cleansers because they sort of came at the end or as almost like a prologue to a bigger story. And I thought they were perfectly placed. This one was not billed as a palate cleanser this one was billed as its own ant-man event um my favorite part so i can tell you about the character again he's not like one of my top five or maybe even top 10 i don't know but my favorite parts of paul rudd slash scott lang slash ant-man is when he's when he's working off other characters so i think i enjoyed his character more in like civil war and uh, Infinity War, no, he wasn't Infinity War, sorry, but uh, Endgame, uh, even more so than his actual movies, because I just love seeing him react to all the nonsense and foolishness that was going on around him. So um, 
that's my take on the character and that's that's but i i've always enjoyed him he's always made me laugh uh so let's get into the actual movie quantum mania luke you were the first one to see it of the three of us you've you already said that you were a little left a little confused by it so tell me why what, what were your overall reactions to the movie and and um why it left you confused there were a lot of parts that i liked but it felt a little rushed and a lot of parts were just sort of convenient, I think. Um, and that's okay. Like, especially in a Marvel movie, certain things will be just convenient and things will happen and you sort of just have to accept it. But like, you know, slamming the guard's head on a wall and it had just happening to open the door to let the weird um, person that was in that prison like the face paint and stuff, like let her out. Um, there are a lot of things that happened where I just thought, you know, it, it felt like it either needed a extra 30 minutes to tell the story correctly, or it needed to be like either a Disney plus show or like a two part movie or something. It just felt like there wasn't enough time to tell the story that they were trying to tell to me interesting so it was closer to two hours uh so that sort of makes it one of the shorter um phase four phase five now that we're starting off phase five it, it puts it on the shorter end of things because you know wakanda forever was well into two hours over two and a half hours a lot of the other movies that have come out seem to have been on the longer side so you you might be onto something there because they did. It did go at breakneck speed, right? It was really fast. Um, I mean, I, th- I think I looked at Caleb, and the only thing I said to him when we went to go see it was like ninety nine percent of this movie happened in the quantum realm. Right? They spent very, very little time uh, in San Francisco on on Earth, right? In their actual world. Um, so maybe it could have benefited from from more of a slower pace of a, a more exposition. Um, and setting things up to make things make a little bit more sense. I can see where I see that, that point, Caleb. So I can feel myself being a hater. So let me get it out of my system and then I'll get into the other stuff. I don't think Marvel needs to make every conclusion of a movie of a show. So epic. And so this grand scale it's end game over and over and over and over. Right. So it's not necessarily bringing back dead people to fight the, super bad guy, right? This time it was, now they're trying to save this quantum realm species of different kinds of people and stuff because Kang the Conqueror is being this oppressor and all this different stuff. And they're calling in, it, it just, it took me back to Endgame where, um, what's his name? Falcon comes in and is like, oh, Cap on your left, right? So there's these living buildings coming in and shooting everything down when everything seems to be going down the wrong path and then they win doesn't need to i don't to me doesn't need to be this epic thing to be a great story and i think if they would have gone a different route they would have had still an amazing outcome and for some reason i don't know if it's on your guys radar but i guess people are hating this movie i don't know why i don't hate it i think there's different things that i would have changed but there's a reason i'm not in the the world of cinema (laughs) but one thing that confused me was they quote-unquote win right they beat kang he ends up in his little sphere and they say he loses but then there's a million different variants of of kang in this like coliseum looking thing and they say oh they're starting to become too powerful they're starting to learn our ways we need to beat them Mm-hmm. And if they're banishing the version of King we were introduced to, to ultimately just do it anyway, I don't know. I don't know if I read that wrong or what, but it was quite confusing to me. There's that word again, and uh, confusing, right? And I can say that I was confused by something about Kang specifically. So we'll talk about Kang, I think. Because I would love to talk to you guys about Kang, because I have that's where my mo- most of my confusion comes from. But I wanted to touch on something that you said before, Caleb, which was you know a lot of people seem to be hating on this movie. Um, 
you know, I've spent, you know, most of the time when we talk about a Marvel movie or an actual movie movie, I'll sort of give this disclaimer about myself, which is I'm not a critic. I'm not a fan. I'm, I'm a fan. You know, I don't look at movies from the critic's point of view. I respect and admire the ability of critics to be able to look at things on a technical and mechanical type of basis and, and form opinions and express opinions from that point of view. I don't have that training. I, my background is that I go to these to ride the roller coaster and have fun. Um, so I, with that being said, I also don't pay a ton of ten, of attention to, you know, Rotten Tomato scores or those kinds of things. But every so often something will happen that sort of catches my eye, and it happened with this movie, and that there's a huge disparity in the scores between uh, the Rotten Tomato score and the audience score, and that to me always sticks out and is very interesting to me because. It shows that the movie may not be very good on a, te- a technical ba- uh, technical point of view, but it was enjoyable for the audience. I found the film to be very enjoyable. I found the film to be um, funny. I laughed a lot. Like Caleb, you heard me laughing a lot in the in the movie. One of the things I was worried about was the tone of the movie based on the trailers. The trailers made it seem like it was going to be so heavy. But I found that it really wasn't. It was a lot more fun than I thought it was going to be based on what the trailers were making it look like. And it actually makes me feel a little bit more encouraged going towards Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 because I'm sort of worried about the tone of that one too. It seems like such a heavy movie and the Guardians are always so much fun that I want the movie to be fun. So... um, this shows me that maybe the trailers are giving us one one thing and the movie is actually going to be something else. So, Because it certainly was in this case. With that being said, the tomato meter, the Rotten Tomato score, was 49% and the audience score is 84%. That's a big difference, right? Yeah. I mean, was that sort of is that does that paint a picture of what you guys are saying here as far as the problems you had with the actual movie versus your enjoyment of it? Um, no, I sort of felt the same way you did, where it was like, oh, the trailer made it seem like it was going to be really, really heavy, and then the whole time you and I are just laughing at the screen the whole time, you know, and even in like tense moments, they would ease it with a joke here and there, like with Cassie Lang going giant. And then being like, no, I just need like a line or a wedge or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Throwing back to when when Ant-Man went huge for the first time and said, asked anybody if they had orange slices, yep. right? Yep. Those nice little funny callbacks throughout the whole movie while he's literally called King the Conqueror. And they made, they made him have this like really ominous feel about him. And then they beat him in one fight super, not super easily, but to me, easier than anybody ever got close to beating Thanos. And... To my knowledge, he's supposed to be like a Thanos destroyer, right? He's supposed to make Thanos look like a little wimp. That's what the narrative is out there right now, that this is like a, a Thanos-level villain and that he um, that he he would be able to go toe-to-toe with Thanos as a villain and an antagonist. So, I will say the one thing I didn't like was MODOK. I hated <laughs> everything about MODOK. Luke, you guys told me he was supposed to be like this super villain who's supposed to be indestructible, kill everything he comes across. And then he just had this like insecurity issue the whole time. I was just like, what the heck is this? Luke, what did you think about Modoc? That was another thing that I thought was kind of convenient too, right? Like he's just like, oh yeah, I guess I'll stop being a dick. That's nice. (laughs) Um, Exactly. And also like he was completely destroying everyone and everything and then he couldn't catch cassie lang for like 20 minutes he's just running around chasing her i there's yeah i mean i don't get me wrong i didn't dislike the movie but i just thought that we would be getting a lot more than we did and that's not a bad thing necessarily you know not every movie needs to be endgame um but I just I I know that they were very adamant that they didn't want this movie to be a palate cleanser. And it wasn't a palate cleanser. But you know, Ant-Man doesn't have to be the guy, right? He 
his movies don't have to completely change the universe and stuff. And I, I get why I'm sure every director wants to leave their mark and move the needle. Right. But I don't think that Ant-Man needs to do that. So it just felt a little weird and a little forced to have something so pressing be in the hands of, you know, people with no superpowers. Right. And they were just, they had suits and ants. I like the ants. The ants were the best part of the movie oh, to me. The ants were really um, cool. That, that's a that's a good segue into um, before we get to because I do want to talk about Kang and I and I have some questions and some interest in specific characters. Uh, but before we get that, you sort of referenced how it fits Ant Man versus the big universe. Uh, and this is a setup movie, right? This is the first film of phase five. Uh, and it's setting up the whole thing going forward for at least the next two or three years of storytelling for Disney plus shows and whatnot. That's the other thing for me, like when Thanos was introduced to us back when nobody knew the name, he had this very cynical evil look and it was like, Oh my God, Thanos is coming. Everybody's thinking Thanos is coming. Thanos is coming. Nobody in the world knows who Kang is at this point. Nobody knows to prepare. Nobody's anything like that. Uh, Ant-Man and his crew isn't showing back up on Earth saying we need to prepare for Kang right now. They're going and having um, nasty happy Biff Day Cassie and cake at a, at a restaurant, you know? <laughs> Biff Day. But one thing I really did like was that they started the movie – with Scott walking down the street, sort of having like this, like, hoorah, like, ooh, me, I'm having a great time type of life. And then they ended it with that. And then he goes, wait, did did we win? Yeah. Did, like, all these questions that he rose, that right there was my favorite part of the whole movie. Because that's sort of what I was expecting the whole movie to be, was them fighting a losing battle the whole time, come back with what they can, and then prepare for the next stuff. Because like you said, it's just this set up the rest of the phase and he's supposed to be this uber conglomerate evil, you know, but right. overall I still did enjoy the movie. Yeah. And I did too. Uh, I, so I was going to say, let's, let's talk about things that worked for us, but let's, let's put a cap on what didn't because that's sort of where the direction is right now. And I'll jump on board um, with the end of the movie, not what you're talking about, but before that, where, I really thought for a good few minutes that Scott Lang was going to be stuck in the quantum realm with Kang without the ability to get out. And I found myself being really okay with that because, you know, if you're start, if I actually started to go through sort of this mental quick checklist uh, during that fight scene, which I thought was really good. I think it was the best part of the end was when uh, Scott and Kang are going basically hand to hand combat and once everybody had jumped through that portal, um, I sort of went through and I'm like, okay, think of the characters in Civil War, let's say, because Civil War was really what set the table for going forward after that point. You know, and we're not going to go through every single character. There's so many of them. But, you know, where is Tony Stark? Gone. Where is um, uh, Steve Rogers? Gone. Or at least MIA. You know, we, we, uh, status unknown, really. Thor? Thor is sort of running around the the world now, the you know existence with his his newfound uh, love. Literally, her name is Love, right? Um, uh, Hawkeye is back on the ranch with his family, with um, uh, with Kate Bishop. Uh, we've got Hulk. Uh, where's Hulk? He's hanging out with his kid, right, at family barbecues at the end of She Hulk. And then we've got. Oh my god! <laughs> don't start with me. Don't start with me. Um, and then we've got uh, Natasha, uh, R.I.P., right? Um, so Phase 4 has sort of set the table of putting all of these older heroes back on the back burner, introducing new new characters. And I really thought that's where we were going with Scott Lang. I thought they would put him in the quantum realm, and that would have set up a fourth Ant-Man film or more stories going down the road while conveniently taking him off the table for threats going on while the other Kangs are going crazy. Um, and I was okay with that. So when, when the wasp showed up, I thought it was really cool how she saved him. I loved how 
you know, I, I really enjoyed the the support and the unity because that sort of harkens back to what Cassie told him as a little girl was, you know, you don't have to do this alone. You need a partner. So the wasp is that. And I love the fact that she is that. But then I thought to myself, oh, now they're both going to get stuck in the quantum realm, which, again, I was really OK with. I thought it would be a very convict, you know, a compelling way to end the movie. But then to use your word, Luke, convenience Cassie is back in the lab tinkering with her new machine. And then as easy as pie, the portal opens up and they're able to get out. If the whole movie is about Kang not being able to get out of the quantum realm, it just seemed like it was very, very easy for them to get out of the quantum realm once Kang was defeated. But um, again, it didn't ruin the enjoyment of the film for me, but I just thought that it would have been more compelling and very interesting for them to have ended up in the quantum realm again. They don't pay me to write the movies. I enjoyed it. So we'll see where we go from there. Uh, but that was definitely one thing that I thought that would have been, uh, would have been better. So to put a cap on anything, what else last things that didn't work for you guys? What was, is, was it Janet? Janet Van Dyne, the mom. Was, yeah. Was that her yeah. name? Okay, cool. Janet just rubbed me the wrong way, the whole movie. And I don't know why she never did before that. And I think it was because she knew the capacity of everything that was in the quantum realm. Just tell them what they what know. The Just was. tell them what they need to know. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And then they kept saying, you need to tell us. And she's like, no. And then they would say it again. You need to tell us. And they're like, no, I'm okay. I'm, I'm good. And I just wanted to like jump through the screen and say, tell us right now. It solves everything. <laughs> this movie goes to 45 minute runtime instead of two hours, or they can do other things with it. So I don't know. I think I wish that they would have made her a little bit more cynical or less cynical and less of a stick in the mud and trying to quote unquote protect by keeping everybody in the dark. But that's just me. I don't know if anybody else feels the same way. I I agree with that. She, you know, I understood why she said that in the room before the little beacon thing sucked them in. And then they got in the quantum realm and i was like okay i get it they're being chased they need to be quiet whatever and then by like the third or fourth time i just thought all right wrap it up janet wrap it up um i it's weird because i have a hard time saying what i didn't like but i also have a hard time finding things i liked about the movie i feel very okay about the movie nothing really stood out in a negative way or really positive way to me i thought it was just pretty mediocre interesting that's an interesting way of putting it um because i do feel like for me there's more things that i do like than i didn't like and really what i've said is really what what didn't work for me i found myself in a similar situation caleb what you said with janet it's like as a story device it's 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 doing it for a purpose doing it on purpose, but I don't, I just don't think that that's a very strong purpose. Like I know we have no idea even how long they've all been together from the time they pulled her out of the quantum realm, then the blip, which I think that it makes it seem like was, was a pretty short time time frame between yeah. the end of Ant-Man two and the, and the, uh, the post credit scene. Um, but then we don't know how much longer this takes place after, after Endgame, so we don't know how long they've been together. But I, I really think that if there's this existence level threat down there, she really made the wrong choice not to say anything. And it's not the character's fault; it's the writing. That's just another convenient part of it, right? Is they chose to make her not tell anybody about it, but her reason was because she just wanted to be back to being normal. That that to me was a little bit what's um quote unquote Deadpool. Um, now that's lazy writing and, you know, to me, I'm not a professional writer, right? So I'm not stepping on anyone's toes, but it's just convenient again, right? You could have probably taken story beats from previous films and turned them to me. This seems really like, okay, we're going to set up phase five and we're not going to, um, really worry about this being an Ant-Man movie. This is going to be a setup for what's to come and we're going to use the backdrop of Ant-Man to do it. So who are we familiar with like the Kang comics? I am not. Luke, are you? I am not really. 
So the Kang Dynasty is the next like Avengers film, right? Uh, so does so, yeah. that mean that there's going to be like a bunch of Kangs coming and trying to conquer everything? Or is it going to be one bad guy? Because it seems like there's a million of them right okay, now. Okay, so let's get to Kang. Let's just let, since that's a good segue because I want to talk about Kang because I was confused a lot about where his power came from. He seemed to be able to do anything he wanted, and is that because of the suit and the tech that his suit has? Does any did anybody understand that? I think it was because the whole thing was when they were stranded and it was him and Janet that. You know, they were just working on stuff together. And I think he was just a normal guy. And yeah. then once they uh, once they fixed up the, the, the ship and he got his orb. suit back, then he started terrorizing everything. Okay, so that makes sense. And as you're saying that, it li- sort of part of the movie is coming back to me where Janet did make a, a point of saying that she destroyed his ability to tra- traverse the multiverse, but he got his tech back long enough to get his suit and that she made a point of saying that. Right. And then at one other point, I think they mentioned that he was able to travel time. So he had super advanced tech that he had at his fingertips and it must've been the suit. That was the key to build this big empire down in the quantum realm. So I still found myself confused as to what is that term that the kids use nowadays? OP. He seemed like he was really overpowered. Because he could just he yeah. could just flick his wrist and he's got Cassie Lang, you know, levitating, you know, in the air, and she, he could have just ripped her limb from limb with a snap of his fingers. It seemed like, and that's where I found my confusion. But now, hearing what you guys uh, have to say, it, it makes sense. One other thing that confused me is, didn't he have like a really long monologue about how he was killing other Kangs because they were messing things up, and at the same time he was destroying timelines for his own benefit. Yeah, I think he did reference um, going to battle with other Kangs. Uh, Luke, did you catch that? I don't remember. <laughs> was um, too much going on. <laughs> I, there was there was so much going on, and like I we got a little bit of King and Loki, right? Yeah. But that was about thirty minutes. What did they and call him before they called him Kang in Loki? He who remains. Um, he who uh, remains. Yeah. Yeah, and so, but then the whole Loki thing confused me because I thought that he was the only one, like he was the only king, and now that he's gone, there will be more kings. So are these kings products of the he who remained disappearing, or did they exist the whole time? Or okay, what? so I was actually going to ask the Loki expert that very question, so now I'm going to take my question back, because clearly you don't have the answer that I was looking for. Uh, even Caleb, Caleb, you and I even talked about like how Luke has rewatched yeah. Loki like three times, and I was hoping maybe you could shed some light on that, because I was confused too. If we're Okay, so spoilers for Loki, if you haven't watched Loki Season 1. It, this is, it's like a, uh, Loki is like an insert in into this comic, right? This is a, a supplemental story that goes hand in hand with this because I was confused too. I'm like, so, okay. So if he who remains, if we are to understand the last episode of Loki season one, if he who remains is in, is in fact the last Kang, the only one to exist because he won, right? Isn't that what he said? That he went to battle with all these and he won and that's why he yeah. created the TVA to, to snip the timelines so that it would prevent other Kangs from coming. Am I understanding that right? So, yeah. yeah so does that mean that Loki is now, that portion at least is taking place after all of this? I don't know. And I'm, I'm almost, I'm almost convinced, you know, like I've convinced myself not to get lost in the weeds there because I think if we try to figure out, okay, well, well when was Sylvie and Loki talking to the he who remains as opposed to when is this going on? There's no way to know. And I don't think I'm going to worry about yeah. it. Yeah. And I think I the also whole think... point was that they exist outside of time and space. Exactly. I think that's a good scapegoat that they've added in there. But it just makes it more confusing because <laughs> what happened before, what happened after, and, you know, maybe your tiny little brains just can't comprehend it. Um, but I don't know. It, it feels like, okay, this is going to sound really weird, 
but for those of you who haven't seen Rick and Morty, there is literally <laughs> like the the end credit scene where they're all all the kings are appearing in like one big arena, right? They have that in Rick and Morty where it's just a bunch of Ricks from different timelines. And I was less confused in Rick and Morty <laughs> than I was in this. Because I don't I don't know how it ties in. Like where did all these kings come from? You know, is there was like that one king that was in charge, right? And I don't I don't get it and I wanna get it because it seems like a really cool story, but you know, That's I, the other thing I was hoping this movie would do a better job at is explaining this very complex thing that is the multiverse, explaining this very complex character that is Kang, who said over and over is I see time differently, I work with time differently, but he's dead and now we have 50 million other Kangs to try and understand. So I don't know. I think that was the biggest miss, but my favorite thing was the 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 globby guy who's red and like <laughs> opaque who's obsessed with people's holes it was so random and so stupid but i loved it it was so funny. i have holes and boy does he like yeah apparently. and then he just and then he inhales like 15 people just to save the group and it's, they're like we didn't know he could do yeah, that <laughs> don't give that guy any this more. whole time he's just being like a trans don't give him any more holes i thought that also the that yeah. whole setup with the drink the ooze i thought was hilarious i thought that was very funny and actually an um a creative point like story point to get us on board to be able to how do these characters understand each other i thought that that was cool. that's always my biggest gripe with like star wars and places where it's not just like one planet or just like if you're going from the united states to like croatia and all of a sudden everybody's speaking english or like same thing with going to different planets they're literally in a different realm and everybody's understanding the same thing i that that scratched a beautiful itch in my brain well star wars they don't have english they have basic that's true so yeah it's like the oh, is that real yeah. Yeah, that's how they communicate when a, through basic. When a character is speaking English, they refer to it as basic in in that galaxy. Yes, man, whoever created that just took shots at everybody speaks English. <laughs> I think it was created before what basic means now. It doesn't. It didn't mean the same thing when that doesn't, was established. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Luke, did you have something you were going to add? It looked like you were gearing up to say something. No. no. Okay. So drink the ooze. Um, uh, we should make up t-shirts to <laughs> drink the ooze. <laughs> and then the little guy with no holes is just running around cleaning people's chins of the ooze. And I didn't, <laughs> I was like, is he drinking? That? Is he ingesting? Is he made of the ooze? I, I, I don't know. Maybe. Well, yeah, he literally says that that's me. Oh, what's he is. The no, ooze. That's sort of gross. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sort of gross. Um, so yeah, I, I actually another point of confusion for me was like, where did all these quantum people come from? But I don't care; it's okay. That I didn't really concern myself too much. But I I enjoyed all of that stuff. I enjoyed the um, fact that they were basically oppressed by the conqueror. They had these living buildings. I I dug the living buildings running around. Talk about mobile home. That's fantastic. Like, get me one of those guys. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but I could not help but laugh when they're all sort of like failing before all the ants show up at the end and one of the buildings is holding another one of the dead buildings in its arms because <laughs> they're alive so now it got shot down it was so funny i'll see if i can try and find it i didn't it. see that it, i missed that <laughs> it was so funny it's in the background i'll find it um yeah so all that worked for me another thing that I, I really enjoyed cassie lang i liked i was a little bit worried when they you know had to take her out of jail and i'm just like wait a minute cassie's not like this rebellious youth type this who, where are you going with her but um they turned her around really good i enjoyed her uh i, I like the fact that there wasn't a big you know like there was a little bit, but they got over it quickly with the whole father-daughter dynamic. Because one of my favorite things about the Ant-Man films was the fact that they really did seem like they loved each other a ton. They meant a lot to each other. Their reunion in Endgame was, is one of the most emotional parts of a very emotional movie. So I liked that they gave her enough of the independence that she needs to be a character on her own aside from Scott Lang. But they didn't go too far into like this whole... You know, you weren't there for me thing because I didn't. I don't think the movie had enough room for it anyway. Um, 
So I'm enjoying to see where I'm mean, looking forward to see where we go with Cassie Lang going forward because I think um, uh, I don't know the actress's name. I don't have it in front of me. I have the little little girl uh, Cassie Lang's name in front of me, which she did a great job too. But um, I think the actress did a great job, and I'm looking forward to seeing what's coming up. One of the other things though that that was sort of an unexpected highlight for me was number one, I like the idea of an ant family. Right, so they have a, a a setup with the Van Dynes and the Pims and the Langs. Where now it's almost like a bat family, right? We have an ant family, and they all have a role to play. They all have something important to do, and the tech is cool. And I like that idea of a, of an ant family. Um, the highlight, though, for me was Hank Pym. I thought that Hank did a great job. I loved his whole ant shtick. I thought that Michael Douglas killed it. I think this was his best performance as Hank Pym, which he's done great in the other movies. But I thought that he was very um, – uh, it, it was smart the way that they used him. And he really was the one that ended up saving the day, which being the old Ant-Man really gave him his moment to shine as the Ant-Man with his original tech coming to save the day. So I thought that was cool. Luke, you you felt the same way? Yeah, I thought that he was the best part of... No, I think Kang was the best part um, as a character. Story-wise, still confused. But I loved Hank Pym. I've always loved Hank Pym. He's so funny. He's witty. He's very smart, but he doesn't... He reminds me of, like, Tony Stark Light. Um, And I like that. (laughs) He's a... And I like the fact that he was... The only person in there that either didn't have a suit or didn't know their way around. And he was still doing stuff. It was awesome. Like, he was flying the ship by sticking his arms in the weird little gooey things. And, you know, he was summoning the ants. The ants were another thing where it was extremely convenient. They just so happened to go through a time ripple where they lived for a thousand years and came back with technology and all sorts of stuff. That was very convenient. I don't think that they Um, needed that. I I don't think that they needed that at all because they took time to set up the fact that they were building their own tech in the beginning, right? In the two minutes that we were on earth in that lab, you know, we didn't need them to live for a thousand years. We, we could have just assumed that they came up with what they needed to come up with. They made a point of saying they were building their own tech in that little ant farm yeah. that they had. So why not just send that through the quantum realm? And then they ended up coming to save with their own tech. You know, I agree with you. It was, it was a little convenient and unneeded. Yeah. And, but I mean, I liked having the ants there. I wish they were there sooner to be honest, because then it wouldn't have been so much. We're going to win. We're going to lose. We're going to win. We're going to lose. We won. We lost. We won. Um, you know, and to but a- he was definitely a highlight. Just sort of a a sub point to that point is I don't even think that they needed to be like an overwhelming wave and to win with, you know, with violence, right? It's sort of, sort of to Caleb, to your point about not needing to be this epic battle every time at the end of the movie, uh, we get to the end of the movie, you know, Hank, Hank Pym, Janet Van Dyne, they, they're smart. That's their superpower, right? They developed this technology that changed the way that, you know, we see, uh, you know, with getting tiny, tiny, tiny and being able to grow huge, that was their brain that did that. And sort of similar to Dr. Strange and him beating Dormammu with his mind, we could have seen something similar to that where Hank Pym could have used his ants, but normal size ants, they didn't have to come in and swarm and just overwhelm. You know, you could have had one or two or three, you could have, you could have utilized them in a way that highlighted the mental aspect of things rather than just, you know, an epic battle, which I still love the visuals of the epic battle. I still enjoyed that. I still enjoyed the, the fist fight between Kang and Kang and Lang (laughs) Kang V Lang. Um, but still, (laughs) I think you could have used those ants in a very intellectual way that would have, I think been surprising and fun. You know, one of the other highlights for me was um, Van Dyne Industries Technologies. Yeah, whatever, right. whatever, whatever Hope's, that Hope, was called. Hope's uh, co- corporation that she had built. Yeah, 
Yeah, and it was because I really like the inclusion of like real life problems. Like if half the universe is going to disappear for five years and then just vanish and then come back, they're going to need resources. They're going to need people. Yep. They're going to need all sorts of different stuff. And the fact that she was like, they took time to add it into this movie, even if it was like a a, a background detail of just trying to understand where they are today. I thought it was really cool. I agree. And even though it was just sort of like a line of dialogue, I liked how they um, they worked that into. I mean, Hope Van Dyne, the Wasp, she's a cool character, and she's always been from the beginning. You know, um, she's had a lot of good moments, and she hasn't had, you know, she was sort of a supporting character in the first movie. She was more of a even keel in the second movie. She got her moments in Endgame. I think that there, that she shined, though, uh brighter in this movie than she has so far and and um yeah she was another highlight for me too it was very very cool use of of that character and i really like what she means to scott and what scott means to her i love that partnership aspect of things um i also like that there was no drama between cassie and her they work together there's definitely a love of uh, for each other and i thought that was a cool aspect as well um well i think we've talked about everybody uh in the in the ant family and Kang. And can I just say that Jonathan majors is going to be earning his money in the next saga. I mean, they, he, he's already been 6 million characters and he's only been in one full movie. Yeah. He's going to be the new Pedro Pascal, not in the same version, but he's going to take over the world the way that Pedro Pascal. Listen, I had the same thought and it's going to be happening simultaneously because, well, not only has he been introduced uh, fully as Kang the Conqueror, but Creed three is coming out. What is it next week? Uh, Soon, early March, Creed three is coming out and he's a major antagonist in that movie. And then going forward, I mean, this is literally going to be the multiverse saga which is now we're in phase five at the beginning, the kickoff, and he is at the core of all of it. Um, again, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm going to try not to let my brain get too whipped up with how is all this working. But uh, I did just to finish off our conversation, unless you guys have any other final thoughts. Um, I wanted to hear your, both of your thoughts. Not only we sort of heard already about the, the, po- the mid credit scene, but what about the post credit scene, which I think is a scene pulled directly out of Loki season two, if I'm being honest. Uh, but we do have a Loki super fan here. What did you guys think about that Loki centric, um, uh, post credit scene? I half expected Loki to show up in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't think that they would except for the fact that like you know loki can go anywhere now um but i'm very glad that we got a post credit scene with him just because he's a i feel like he is the cornerstone character that will connect all of this because he's the only character that was there from the beginning from phase one who understands what's going on now in phase four right yeah it's true. Yeah. I am not a huge um, comics nerd. I won't watch. I'll watch everything. But I won't do homework and read the comics. I want to understand why Loki had that visceral reaction. He looked terrified to see this version of Jonathan Majors on stage. He didn't look concerned. He looked terrified. And I want to understand the different variants of of Kang because it seems like it's a lot more complicated and a lot more than meets the eye. Well, first I don't think you're going to find any answers in the comics. So don't worry about looking for them. Okay. Yeah. Because I think that this is, uh, I could be wrong. I could completely be wrong because Kang has decades of history. Loki, Loki as well. And I don't know how much they've been involved with each other throughout. So if I'm completely spewing misinformation, please forgive me and feel free to ridicule and correct me online. But um, I don't know that you're going to find the answers you're looking for for the current iteration of these characters in the MCU in the comics. Because, you know, Loki season one at the end sets up that now the Kangs are loose, right? Because Sylvie killed he who remains and he told them you're going to regret it. You're right. There's worse versions of me coming out after this and you don't know what that means. 
And then when Loki, yeah. what was what, one of the last things we see in Loki was when Loki's running up to Mobius in a panic saying, hey, uh, you know, I'm back from that land that nobody ever comes back from. And you need to, you know, you need to help me and you need to listen to me. And he looks at him, he's like, I have no idea who you are. So he, he yeah. had found himself in a timeline with Mobius having no prior knowledge to what happened in Loki season one. And then they look over at the big statues and who do they see? Big, massive statues of Kang, right? So uh-huh. I'm going to guess that Loki season two is going to involve them jumping around timelines, probably looking for Kang, looking for whatever they're going to call him. And maybe this is the first one that they actually find is that, that yeah. man that we saw in the post credit scene. I think his name was Victor Timely. And I don't know what significance that holds. But now that you've refreshed my memory of uh, of Loki, I feel better because now I understand he who remains killing him opened the can of worms and unleashed the other kings again is my my presumption. Essentially, that's, that's uh, what I'm the, understanding things to be, yeah. Yeah. The scene where there's like a million Ant-Men and then a million wasps just running around with each other. I thought that was really cool because they're like, yeah, you're the cat in Schrodinger's box. You know, yeah. I thought that was really cool. That was just a thing that popped in my head. Visually. Overall, I think I think I'd watch it again just to try and see all the million of Easter eggs that they dropped in there. And uh, I wouldn't watch it again if I hated it. So <laughs> I did. I, I think if I had to, and you know, and comparing phase four and phase five is probably not um, – fair but i like this better than thor love and thunder i liked it better than the eternals um i liked it better than multiverse of madness um i would put it uh, i don't know that I, i liked it better than wakanda forever or no way home i don't know that i liked it better than than black widow or shang chi even um so I would put it, you know, in in the ongoing post endgame phases, uh, I would put it about middle ground. I, I did enjoy it better than than those movies that I listed. Um, so, you know, what about what about you guys? Did uh, Luke did it did it uh, unseat your love and thunder love? I think the only movies I rewatched Love and Thunder recently. By the way, great movie. Um, the only movies of Phase 4 that I would put over this would be No Way Home, Multiverse of Madness, and Love and Thunder. I think this was... I mean, Wakanda Forever was good, but it just... It's hard to... It's apples and oranges. That's true. These are as opposite movies as they can That's get. That's absolutely true. Um, but, I mean, I, I'm not a big fan of Phase 4 at all. I think that... There are some legitimately bad movies in Phase Four <laughs> that I would not rewatch. Um, Eternals was Shang Chi was not great, um, but still, I mean, if you compare it to the movies, I don't want to be that guy who was like, "Oh yeah, the early ones are so much better." I'm a day one fan or whatever. Sure. But almost every movie from Phase One, Two, and Three, even the mediocre ones, I think, would be on par with Ant-Man, if not better. I still think that we're in a post-endgame um, mourning period where we're still we're still finding the way, and I think the table is now set to the point where it needs to be set, and we're going to go forward now and towards something like we had begun, like we had been doing in in like Phase Three. Um, so you know, we've talked at, uh, you know at length about Phase Four through our different you know, Marvel TV show recaps and, and movie recaps. So we don't have to do that again. But I do think now that phase five has begun, we're going to start seeing a direction. And there's one specific line that makes me feel that more than anything is Caleb, you referenced it when the Kangs were together and they said, they're getting too good at do at this, but we need to take things into our own hands. That was almost literally what Thanos said in a post-credit scene. I think after, um, the Avengers where he looked at the camera and said, fine, I'll do it myself. Fine, I'll do it myself. Yeah. And he's like, he grabs his gauntlet and he's, he's off. Then things really started gearing towards infinity stones and, and Thanos, blah, 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 blah. Um, so I think that that post-credit scene is sort of the same kind of thing where we're going to shift into a different gear, but we'll see. 
you know, we still have two more movies coming out this year and more TV shows, Loki season two, secret wars is it secret wars. No secret invasion. Sorry. Uh, still don't know when they're coming out, but I would assume we're going to get some, some information on that soon. Um, so any final thoughts for you guys? Kang said that he's killed Avengers before he asked if he'd killed Ant-Man before thinking it was Thor. Uh, so I'm excited to see what the rest of his, uh, inclusion is. Um, but I won't get into comparing it to phase four movies because I don't have the mind capacity to remember all the stuff you just said. So I will say it is my favorite movie of phase five. So (laughs) you stole my line. (laughs) I was going to say the same thing, but you beat me to it. Very nice. (laughs) All right. Well, I think that's going to do it then, unless there's any last, uh, last pressing need. We hope you guys have enjoyed, um, our conversation about Ant-Man and the Wasp quantum mania. I do know that there's a lot of divided opinions out there. So uh, we would love to hear what you guys thought, right? If we've missed something or if we've missed the mark on something, feel free to uh, send us a tweet or hit us up on Instagram. And uh, we talk about, you know, community and conversation about pop culture and storytelling. Let us know what you think. We'd love to have that conversation with you guys. So again, for Caleb, for Luke, we thank you very much for spending the time listening to us. We know you're all very busy, so we appreciate you guys spending some time listening to us go around in circles, talk about stuff that we like to watch. So thanks again for for your support, and take good care of each other. Bye. You can find The Colby Cast on Twitter and Instagram at The Colby Cast. If you're wordy, like me, you can send an email to thecolbycast at gmail.com. Please subscribe to the show and leave a review on your favorite podcast app or wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast is not endorsed by anyone or anything for that matter. It is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of the Colby cast, unless otherwise indicated. That'll do, Donkey. That'll do.